tuning into the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, with me today is Mr. Jesse Pate. Hey, Jesse. Hi, Kathy. How's it going? Hey, not too bad. Good. Well, thank you for uh, showing up to be on the podcast this week. Um, for people who don't know Jesse, Jesse is a big part of the cycling community in Cedar Rapids. He has multiple bikes, like most of us do, and uh, uses them for different types of terrain or different types of weather. And I've been lucky enough to be part of many group rides with Jesse. We have done overnight tours. We've done day tours. Um, I'm part of a group that rides every Wednesday that he has been part of. So I have had a lot of fun on my bicycle with Jesse. And hopefully you can say the same back. I mean, it's, it's been okay, Kathy. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get right into this. Have you always lived in the Midwest? No, I actually uh, grew up in Kentucky, um, went to college in Indiana, oh. and then uh, ended up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa uh, after college for work. So I sort of slowly migrated north, but uh, I think the winters got bad enough when I got this far and uh, decided <laughs> that this is probably where I should stop. You're not going to Canada? No, no not going to Canada. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I've been here for a little over 10 years now. Oh, okay. So you can almost call it, I mean, it's it's home now. If you've oh, been absolutely. here for a decade. Yeah. Um, and so you moved to Iowa because of a job. Yes. All right. Um, so when you think back to your days in Kentucky or wherever, um, you know, I don't know if you had a bicycle when you're in Indiana in college, but did you ride your bike much when you're in Kentucky? Well, so I, I learned to ride a bike as a child. Yep. I had a bike. Um, I didn't ride it all that much. And then I actually, uh, I think I went over 10 years without ever sitting on a bicycle. Oh, wow. And then uh, I think around about six or seven years ago, I uh, bought a bicycle and then kept buying bicycles. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> and then here we are. And is it true that uh, getting on a bike is just like just, riding a bike? Yeah, you riding just... a bike is just like riding a bike. <laughs> I, I would say uh, I went to a local bike shop. Um, I told them, hey, I've never ridden a bike for 10 years. Yeah. And they're like, well, you're going to ride one today. And they put me on one, and I was a little wobbly for the first maybe 100 yards, and yeah. then you just kind of get right back into the groove and been riding ever since. I was going to say, you haven't looked back, have you? No. I know that you have a touring bicycle because I've seen you on it plenty of times. Um, name a few places you've been on your touring bicycle, whether it's you know, around the Midwest, because that is what this podcast, you know, we're talking mostly about the Midwest, but um, tell us some places. Well, I mean, I've, I've definitely done quite a few short overnights, uh, just sort of single day trips. Uh, we've got a pretty good trail system here in Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, we got quite a few little uh, state parks or county parks you can get to and just get out into nature, um, hang out with some friends, uh, do a quick overnight. So I've done several of those. Uh, and wait, you, didn't you, if I remember right, do a solo trip where you went on your bike stayed overnight somewhere by yourself and came back the next day? Yeah, I, I've, I've done that. That's, that's actually really fun to just kind of yeah. get out by yourself where um, you're really the only person within, you know, half a mile at least and just sit out by yourself kind of in a clearing in the woods and uh, just hang out, cook your own dinner and maybe read a book or listen to some music and then head back the next day. It's just kind of, it's kind of nice to disconnect yeah. Uh, for a while. Yeah. And I think, you know, listeners who maybe have never 
uh, tried that, it's definitely worth a try. I've never solo camped on my own, but I absolutely love going for long rides and being by myself for a while. I know you've been to Laporte City because I've been on a ride with you. Uh, what are some other places you've been? Laporte City, um, so not bike touring per se, but uh, I've taken trips up to Lanesboro, Minnesota to oh, ride yes, yeah. um, bicycles. Uh, down to the Katy Trail, mm-hmm. uh, in, which is in Missouri, in Missouri mm-hmm. um, sort of from roughly St. Louis to south of Kansas City, mm-hmm. so almost across the whole state. Um, I've ridden my bike um, part of the way to Ragbri several times now. Mm-hmm. Um, and last year, I actually rode until I, not to the start of Ragbri, but I rode my bike until I met Ragbri, so uh, about five days straight of touring, and that was sort of the longest that I've I've ever sort of been self-contained on a bicycle yeah. for about five days straight. And when you say self-contained, you mean literally everything you needed was on your bicycle. Yeah. So I guess there's there's different different types of touring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I wasn't strictly self-contained. I was not bringing my own all my own food and cooking equipment. Oh sure. Um, yeah. So right. I was you know sort of eating gas station food or restaurants things right. like that. Um, it is fun uh, to. Like when I do some solo overnight things, I actually do bring my own cooking equipment mm-hmm. and just really get out by myself for, you know, 24 hours straight. Sure. Um, I'm a guy that likes the solitude sometimes, so yeah. that's nice. Yeah. You know, back to the, like, des- describing or defining self-contained, um, you chose not to bring cooking equipment and all your food because you, the route you were on, you knew there was a town every 10 to 15 miles. So, and anybody who knows Iowa Typically, you can find, you know, a Casey's, which is uh, our favorite gas station that always has pretty much (laughs) any meal that you, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, ice cream, beer, soda, water, anything you'd want. Yeah, and that's, I think that's part of planning a tour is is sort of looking at the route you're planning on taking, seeing what services are there, Mm -hmm. um, figuring out, you know, where you think um, the good overnight stops are, whether you're going to... Uh, stay in hotels, which, you know, a lot of people enjoy credit card touring, which is sure. sort of don't bring that much gear and just kind of ride from town to town and stay in uh, Airbnb type mm-hmm. things. Um, and then all the way to the expedition touring across the the mountains right. uh, where you're, you'd go days without seeing another person. Right. And all of that, all of that I consider touring. You know, it's, sometimes it's hard to define what bicycle touring is because, um, you know, all the people I follow on Instagram are in the middle of a desert or in this mountainous region or traveling across Iran or Peru. And that's awesome. But I also define bicycle touring as putting all my junk on my bike and going 45 miles away, camping, coming back. Yeah, and, and all those guys that do those tours, they, they did not start that way. Right. No, no, one, no one buys their first bicycle and says, I'm gonna do you know, I, I think I'm going to ride all the way across Asia. <laughs> that's uh, right. That's, you know, those are, those are people that, you know, you do it, you fall in love with the lifestyle, and you just keep doing yeah. it more and more until all of a sudden you've quit your job and decided <laughs> yeah. that you're going to go touring for a year. Right, and I'd like to say I'd aspire to be some of those people, but I don't think I would want that much solitude, like... I'm a social, I I just told you early before Mm -hmm. we started recording, I went on a bike ride by myself this afternoon and I loved it because I didn't stop at a bar. I was, you know, I didn't 
stop for anything. I just rode my bike and I loved it. But when I'm touring, I love the social side of it, the talking with groups. And, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast before how much fun it is. So let's talk bicycle setup. Okay. Um, maybe describe what you ride and name a few important to you features. Well, so my everyday bicycle, it's a specialized AWOL, which oh, yeah. is um, it's kind of a off-road-ish touring bike. So it's got room for uh, wide tires. So it's it kind of rides the line between sort of gravel bike mm-hmm. and touring bike, um, which is something that I really enjoy because I like to ride gravel roads. Okay. It's really nice to get out uh, away from all the traffic. Um, we've got beautiful gravel here in Iowa. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles of it. Yeah. Hills, uh, great scenery. Uh, if you've never spent much time in Iowa, uh, you don't realize uh, how many beautiful rolling hills we have. Yeah. Or if you've just you know went across I-80 yeah. uh, through the center <laughs> of the state. There's actually a lot of a lot of really pretty scenery to see, and and you don't really get to see that unless you really get off the beaten path on some of those back roads. Right. So on your A wall, is it a steel frame? It is a steel frame, which is I think it's great. I think steel has really good ride quality. Yeah. I think maybe carbon's better, but steel certainly a quite a bit cheaper, which is a mm-hmm. a nice thing. It's also repairable, mm-hmm. uh, which is more important if you're really do an expedition tour but yeah for but that's still a nice thing in terms of other things that are nice racks to have places to store things yep so i've got racks i've got a basket on the front um, and then another for me i didn't know it was a must-have until i had one but now i don't think i could have a primary bicycle without a, a dynamo generator hub yes i have which, one as well uh, yeah which basically lets you always have power for your your lights so you don't have to worry about, oh, did I remember to charge the mm-hmm. charge the headlamp? It's just always there. You you hit a button and you've got lights to ride at night. So literally, it's like a little machine that is uh, on. Mine's on my front tires. Yours as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's. I think I think they're generally always on front tires, yeah. and it's they're a little bit of a process to to get installed because they have to sort of build a wheel around this special hub right and, and they have to run wiring on your bicycle and right so it's it's a bit of a process but at some point like if you ride your bike enough I think it's a worthwhile investment yeah and people have told me that it does produce a little bit of drag I don't notice it um, but you know when you're thinking about a you're on your touring bike and you have it loaded down with all your gear it doesn't really matter if you're you know, producing a little bit of drag because the benefits are so much better. But, um, and what I was going to say is, so this, this is on your front tire and as you pedal, you are, uh, generating power to whatever you have hooked to it. So for me, and I think for you as well, I have a headlight and a tail light that both light up when I pedal, when it's, when I have it on. And then I also have a USB port and I think you do too, or you used to. I no, I still have a USB port. Um, which is which is nice if you're ever going to be riding somewhere where you won't be able to get somewhere to plug in. Yeah. Uh, usually riding, you know, through the Midwest, you'll be in and out of restaurants and gas stations and places where you can you can plug your phone in for a half an hour. But if you're really ever going to get out away from everything, but you'd still like to keep some electronics charged, yep. that's a really nice thing. Um, and yeah, it it creates a little bit of drag, like Kathy said, but I I think it's a small trade-off. Exactly. That I think it's worth. 
yeah. cabin. And I can tell you firsthand, um, I only have the that generator on one bike, and it's such a bummer when I get on a different bike, and I'm having a great day, and then it gets to be dusk, and I'm like, I'm going to turn my generator on so I have lights, and then there's no lights because I'm on the wrong bike. But luckily, um, I always have extra lights on me for a headlight and taillight, so crisis averted but it's kind of funny like you said like it is now that I have it I would never going forward not put it on a bike so uh, that gets me to my next question so here we're talking about your bicycle and your setup Um, do you always ride a loaded touring bike or are there times that you're riding your other bikes so I'd say I ride my loaded touring bike 95 percent of the time i've I've got other bikes i've got a mountain bike and a cruiser and a road bike a fat bike Um, but those pretty much uh, stay hanging in a storage unit Mm -hmm. Um, occasionally uh, i'll go get one out and and play around on it Um, i will say i don't always ride my touring bike loaded though okay so so i will a lot of times if i'm just going out to ride around you know ride the local trails. Mm -hmm. I'll take all the bags off. Um, I'll just carry a few bare essentials, basically everything I need to fix a flat tire Mm -hmm. in the event that happened. Mm -hmm. And all the other things get taken off the bike. So it's, it gets almost down to closer to riding a road bike than, than really thinking of as a loaded tour. So it's, I think it's a really flexible bicycle to have. Sure. Um, do you know how sad your other bikes are that they just sit in that storage unit waiting and hoping that they get to go outside? I don't know. It's almost like <laughs> retirement. It's like a little retirement community in there. Your fat bike's like, please start snowing or something. I need it. I need it. <laughs> okay. So to go back to when your bike is fully loaded, what kind of stuff is in those bags? Um, so, I mean, for an overnight type trip, you're going to have your camping gear. So mm-hmm. tent, sleeping pads, sleeping bag. You'll have change of clothes, or if it's a longer tour, you'll have several days worth of clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe or maybe not uh, food and cooking equipment mm-hmm. if it's that type of trip. If it's more of a you know hangout and party oriented ride, I would have a cooler mm-hmm. with some uh, some drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a more serious you know touring ride, maybe I wouldn't spend the weight on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd carry a basic toolkit. Um, that has the sort of things you need to deal with minor bike maintenance issues, uh, a little med kit. I'm trying to think what else is on there. I think that covers the, the main things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to um, probably one-up you because I feel like when I've been on overnight tours with you, you always have what somebody needs in your bag. So I bet you you have like 20 pounds more stuff than other people have yeah so i i think i've sort of collected things over the years <laughs> uh, because someone had an issue yeah and then i started bringing something to just solve that case. issue just in sure. case so i'd say i i probably carry i don't know if it's 20 pounds worth of stuff <laughs> but i i probably carry you know five plus pounds of things yeah. that you know you could probably really get away without right but i'd rather have that insurance right. uh just so that I can help either myself or someone else out. Uh, you know, it's, it's worthwhile insurance to, you know, keep someone moving on a tour as opposed to having to, you know, call for help. Right. And you have 
the skills and you have bike legs so you can handle a little bit more weight where you know somebody who's maybe newer to it they might not have actually you know what we should play what's in your bags okay or let's do, do it. how about do you have this in your bag do i have this all right let's yeah. do it and i'm not talking right now no i have i have nothing with me right now. all right do you have spare tubes i do do you have a patch kit i do do you have extra spokes so I don't carry extra spokes, okay. but I do carry a Kevlar uh, spoke replacement kit. So Whoa. it's it's a it's a piece of Kevlar cording and then a sort of little tightening mechanism. So in the event I broke a spoke, I would be able to, or someone else, um, we'd be able to replace that and and keep the wheel going. The benefit of that is that's something that I can use on another person's bike yeah. because for those that don't know. Uh, spokes are come in dozens of different lengths and mm-hmm. you need the right spoke for the right bicycle um, whereas you know with this this little kit you can help you know anybody's bike out that's I actually I like that I'll have to remember that if actually I should knock on wood I've never had a oh no I have had I've had one spoke break in my entire biking career and somehow near enough to a local bike shop that I didn't have to take apart my bike and change it, which uh, listeners who have been listening to this podcast, when I interviewed Will Sharp, he went through all of his mechanical issues, and that guy is a pro at changing spokes at this I, point. I have watched him change a spoke, and it's it's getting close to bike mechanic <laughs> yeah. level uh, speed. He should uh, be um, like in one of those competitions, you know, like, <laughs> how quickly can you change a spoke? <laughs> okay, anyway, okay, do you have, let's see, uh, extra charging device? I do. I usually carry a, a battery pack along with a, a wall charger with some USB plugs on it. Wow. Okay. Rain gear? Not normally. When touring in the in the summer in the Midwest, I find that uh, it's hot and humid enough up here uh, in Iowa that if it's raining on you and you put rain gear on, uh, you're, 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 you're gonna you're gonna get just <laughs> as wet inside the rain gear as uh, as you would just getting rained on that said um if i was doing a longer tour in the early spring late fall where you start having to worry about you know what if i got rained on yeah, getting about too cold yeah um i would i would bring some rain gear okay and it's kind of like a free shower too if it starts raining and it's like you said hot and humid I'm like ah. yeah now i'd save myself 15 minutes for tonight <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh what else let's see do you have a, I don't know if I'm saying the name right, but like the quick link or the chain link? Yes, I, I carry a, a, a quick link for my bike chain, um, which sort of, in the event that you break a, a bike chain, um, you'll use like a, a chain tool to mm-hmm. kind of push the pins out of the chain. And then if you, if you have a quick link, it's pretty easy just to snap that in and, and reconnect the chain that you sort of remove the damage link from. Um, so that sort of saves you a little bit of effort on the side of the road. And so you have both, right? You have the chain link and the chain tool? Yeah, I have a, I have a little bike multi-tool that has just about every, everything you would need for bike maintenance on it. And then I do carry the, the quick link as well. The extra, okay. Well, if anyone who's listening like wants to go on a bike ride with you, they're set. Yeah, yeah, I can probably I can probably handle 
most non-catastrophic. Okay, wait. Bike let's get let's get silly with this. As right. long as we know now that you mm-hmm. have a lot of stuff okay. in your bike bags. Okay. How about do you have some sort of tourniquet if someone is severely injured? Well, I don't I don't have a tourniquet, but I'm sort of thinking about like what what is a tourniquet? Sort of some sort of strapping, and then yeah. some sort of like stick to use as a tightening device. Okay. Um, I, I do carry um, some sort of nylon lashing straps, and I, I've got like a, a little mini bike pump that you could probably use in place. I, oh, I think to, to like to. to I, I haven't. I've never tried it, flow? but I think, uh, and I'm not certain that I could make it happen in a panic situation. <laughs> but I, I think I have the materials that you would need. So are you are you making a disclaimer that you are not a doctor? I, I am not a trained medical <laughs> professional. So. But if somebody's arm is hanging off, you could probably stop the bleeding maybe. I'd, I'd give it a shot. All right, all right. I'd say right. maybe call 911 first yeah. and then uh, while it, we're while waiting. While that's happening. Yeah. If they say we'll be there in an hour, then you got to act Yeah, fast. we'll see what yeah, we can do. You're right, yeah. Okay, um, don't need it really in the Midwest, but bear repellent? So it's interesting you mentioned bear repellent. Oh, okay. Um, so I don't carry bear repellent, but one thing that I have learned uh, riding sort of rural gravel roads is there's there's actually quite a few nuisance dogs oh, okay. out there. Um, I don't know that you need bear repellent. That might be slight overkill. Right. Um, but I've been chased a few times by some um, like fairly large, dogs. aggressive dogs, and uh, it's made me think about maybe you know carrying some sort of uh, you know pepper spray or something yeah. just. In you know it, it has it's never happened to me, um, but it's one of those things that'd be nice to have in your back pocket. You know, if God forbid, you know, one of those dogs wasn't just trying to intimidate yeah, you and was yeah. uh, actually going to follow through. Right. Or if they chase you for a long time, like you, uh, even though you're you know excellent bicyclist, a dog can usually outrun you. Yeah, yeah. That's the people don't realize is how fast dogs really are, and yeah. even on a bicycle, uh, unless you're really fast you're gonna have a hard time out running one yeah so uh i have a couple more asks but uh, on a side note i was reading and i'm sorry i can't reveal the source because i just don't remember but somebody was talking about that very thing about um you know the occasional aggressive dog and what this guy recommended was to take uh either he had like a handheld squirt bottle so i think I think he used like a old Visine bottle because it had the squirt ability, mm-hmm. cleaned it out and he did vinegar and water. And so he would squirt that at the dog and because they are so, you know, ultra sensitive to smell, it was just enough to make them not want to be around you as the bicyclist anymore. And it was also not damaging to the dog. Like. Right. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how effective that, that is, but yeah. uh, definitely uh, I've heard people of just sort of squirting their water bottles yeah. at dogs just to, kind just of, to kind of snap them out of right. their, you know, what they're doing. Aggressive behavior. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So no bear repellent, but you're thinking about it. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> it's not an everyday thing, but. Uh, okay. Maybe. How about a signal flare? No, no signal flare. Yeah, I, 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 have a cell, really... I have a cell phone. Usually, usually if you're far enough away from civilization, your <laughs> right. cell phone doesn't work. <laughs> right. There's probably nobody to see your signal flare. Ser- yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, is there anything on your bike that I haven't mentioned that most people would not carry? Like anything? Well, so I, I do one, I guess you'd call it luxury item that I carry, mm. um, is a sort of lightweight folding camp chair. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, it's, you don't really think that that's something that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's really nothing like on a, on a really hot day, pulling up under a shade tree on the side of the road, 
and setting up your little camp chair and then just sitting there for 15, 20 minutes while your core temperature comes down. Yeah. And it's just, it's just nice to be able to lounge in that as opposed to sitting in the itchy, itchy grass. Right. And it is to me uh, a life changer because being able to sit for a few minutes is a world of different than having to stand or I'm terrified to sit in the grass because I'm, I'm prone to bug bites. Like I could spray myself with bug spray, but yuck, that's gross. So um, sitting in a chair is just, I don't know. There's a guy that's going to be on a future podcast. I'm, I'm talking into the future now. Oh, wow. But we were on a touring ride uh, heading out to Ragbri, and it was one of those 115-degree heat index days. And he had this little trifold, uh, no back on it, but just a little trifold stand. And he let us take turns sitting in it. And, you know, that, like, five, ten minutes that I sat in that chair, it, like, totally revived me. And, oh, my gosh. So I agree. That is that is definitely a luxury item. That, And it doesn't take up that much room if you can find the right chair. And it's not that heavy. No, it, it there's a whole range of those sort of folding chairs available from the, you know, $15 ones that you'll pick up on Amazon up to the over a hundred dollar ones yeah. that you get from the, the super space age lightweight ones you get <laughs> right. from the, the fancy camping stores. Right. Um, but yeah, they don't, they don't take up that much space. Uh, and I will say like when I see an, I guess an old time tour, a tour that you can tell based on how sun faded the bags are on their bike, <laughs> that they've been doing this for decades. Uh, you almost always see see them with chairs. Oh, so I yeah. think it's one of those things that, that at some point you're like, you know what, it's worth it's worth that little bit of extra weight. Right, definitely. Well, if, if someone were to ask you, like, why you carry all that stuff, like, what would you say? I guess it really comes down to just making sure that, you know, somebody in the group, because I do a lot of riding with groups, yeah. that somebody is able to deal with a whole range of of problems that we might come across. I've kind of chosen to be that person that yeah. carries the things. I will say there's uh, at least one other, one or two other people that I ride with that are kind of also in that category. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other end, we've got people that, that ride with us that maybe have the things to change a flat tire. And that's about the most technical <laughs> challenges right. that they can uh, right. handle on their own. So, <laughs> but they're great people to have along. So yeah. we want to make sure that we can, we can keep the group moving. I am thankful that you are one of those people. So. so when you think about bicycle touring, are there any do's or don'ts worth mentioning? Well, so I say if you're first starting out, I think one thing that's, that's nice to do is, is go to your local bike shop. One, for advice. Uh, two, there's, uh, at least I know around here, there's several of the bike shops that will put on just little like hour-long like basic bike maintenance clinics oh yeah you know just making sure that you don't have to be able to you know change spokes and things like that but i mean you, everyone should know you know be competent at changing fixing flat tires right. those sorts of things so just making sure you have those basic skills so that's a, that's a definite do a don't is don't don't try to buy anything and everything under the sun you'll you'll get to your personal style over time right um so i'd say do just get out there do a a sub 24 overnight which is basically you know leave in the afternoon 
ride to a, a close close campground yep. 10 15 miles stay overnight get up in the morning and come back as long as you remember to bring a a, a tent to and a sleeping bag <laughs> everything else uh you'll figure out along the way right. uh, whether you need it or not and then sort of just build that list of things up over time um because a lot of people might find that you know what the whole fully loaded thing's not for me maybe i'm i'm more of a uh, sort of credit card tour. I like to yeah. I like to go fast and light. I like to go. I like to ride a lot more miles a day, right. um, and just not carry as much stuff. Uh, and, there, and then that's absolutely okay. Yeah. And it's just really figuring out your personal style. So so don't overcommit to you know gear purchases and things like that. Right. And and at the end of the day, the the real do is just get out there and and do some touring. Right. Yeah. There's nothing. I mean, you gotta just you gotta make it make that first trip. And like you said, um, you really don't need any extra equipment. I mean, let's just say you don't have a tent. If you have a hammock, you can figure it out. Take what you have. If you don't have a sleeping bag, just take the blanket off your bed as long as it shoves into a backpack or a bag. And then you'll quickly learn as you're either freezing in your (laughs) comforter or your back hurts because you don't have any padding. You'll be like, okay, if I do this next time, I need some sort of camp pad. And the next time I need a pillow. And the next time I need, like you said, a camp stove. Or it just, it goes from there. And yeah, and that's that's right. I really mentioned the the sort of sub 24-hour overnight where, you know, you don't don't even really have to make a big time commitment out of it. It's it's something that after work on Friday, you can pack up a few things, uh, go for a quick ride, and be back home, you know, by 10 a.m. Saturday morning. Right. And it's not really about being out there and not having things because, you know, anybody can survive 12 hours uh, <laughs> without without uh, without some item. Right. There's no TV when you're camping. If well, you, unless you're really fancy. If yeah. you can pa- pack your TV. We have not met anybody that does that. Thank goodness. No, that's, that's an interesting challenge, though. We'll, we'll see what we can make happen. <laughs> Do they make TVs that kind of, like, uh, roll up or compact into itself? So it's interesting you should say oh, that. No. I have uh, not roll-up TVs, but I've seen uh, some little portable mini projectors oh. that are battery-powered, um, kind of like your home theater projector. Yeah. But they're really only meant to project a screen maybe the size of a piece of poster board. Okay. Uh, so but if you're at a campground in, yeah. inside of your tent, you could be watching. Oh, Absolutely. gosh, I hope I don't meet anybody that needs to be in their tent watching <laughs> television. So, um, well, any adventures on your horizon? Well, I've got one thing, if I can make it work um, with, you know, work schedule. Uh, it's challenging having a full-time job, wanting to go on a sort of uh, multi-week tour. Right. Um, but one thing I'd really like to do maybe uh, next summer is go up to... Uh, sort of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. uh, travel around the up through the Upper Peninsula, Michigan, up around the the sort of north side of of Lake Michigan. Oh, nice! Come back down and then take the ferry back across to Wisconsin. It, it's about a 700 mile oh, wow. loop. Uh, figure it takes about 15 days, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know depending on, you know, you probably want to throw a rest day or two in there. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'd, I'd really like to do. If I can't make that work, I think uh, the full Katy Trail mm. uh, will be on the menu next year, which will be basically 
drive down to St. Louis from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, mm -hmm. uh, take the Amtrak across to Kansas City, and then basically... Oh, and then pedal back. And pedal back. Oh, which nice. Which is really nice, because you can uh, uh, just take your take your bikes on the, on the Amtrak right. now. They have some good deals. Like, if you're a, a multi... If you, you travel a lot with Amtrak, you can actually get a 30-day pass now, and you can use Amtrak everywhere. So if you do your KD Trail, then you should double up and do another adventure that involves Amtrak, and you can use it again. Well, I'll, I'll have to talk to my boss about that and see if he'll let me <clears throat> take a month off work to, to use a 30-day pass it, on Amtrak. Do you think he's listening? It's kind of like a, uh, it'll make you so much smarter for work, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, I loved hearing your stories, and hopefully everyone's entertained, and uh, get some bear repellent, for God's sakes. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to pick up a can after, after thinking about it a little more. Yeah, well, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. It's been fun. How about a touring tip? Let's talk gearing and cadence. Cadence is your pedaling rate, meaning how many revolutions of the crank per minute. As your legs grow stronger, your cadence typically gets higher. The average cyclists have a cadence of about 60 RPM, and RPM stands for revolutions per minute, and the elite cyclists are between 80 to 100 RPMs. Now, don't worry too much about the number. The important thing to remember is the higher the cadence, the more efficient you are on your bike. When you pedal faster, you put less strain and force on your muscles. Uh, if you notice your cadence is much slower than your biking friends, it may be that you're in too high of a gear. So let's talk about gears. Most bicycles have one, two, or three chain rings in the front and seven to 12 in the back. Now on your handlebar somewhere are your shifters. Your left shifter will move the chain back and forth on the front chain rings and your right hand will move the chain back and forth on the back. You have all sorts of combinations that make pedaling more or less powerful. Now when you're carrying weight on your bike, you will want to use all or most of your gears. The system of gears on that bike lets you choose different pedaling rates, which as you now know, is the cadence. Spinning in a gear that's too low makes you bounce in your seat and you'll probably get worn out pretty quick. Pedaling in a gear that is too high is really hard on your body, especially your knees. So your goal is to always be spinning at a steady cadence of about 60 or higher. As your terrain changes, switch gear so that your cadence stays consistent. For example, as you start up a hill, if you don't switch gears, your cadence will continue to get slower as the hill gets steeper. Your bike will get harder and harder to pedal. You may even have to dismount and walk. So instead of that scenario, use your gears. As you approach that hill, gear down before it gets hard to pedal and continue to gear down as you climb. Your legs may be spinning faster, but the gears are doing a lot of the work to get you up that hill. And as you reach the top, give yourself a high five and thank your bike for those gears. And as you go down the other side of the hill, gear up so when you start pedaling, your cadence is back at the same consistent pace. Um, you'll have to experiment with all your gears to find out your comfort level. Just know you have gears that will help you become a better and stronger cyclist. So use them! 
Well, that's it for today, listeners. Check out morphologypodcast.com and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate you and thanks for taking the time to tune in and listen to the Morphology Podcast. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Elizabeth Gilbert. You need to learn how to select your thoughts just the same way you select your clothes every day. This is a power you can cultivate. If you want to control things in your life, work on the mind. That's the only thing you should be trying to control. Think about it.